0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. This is Scorebox, and these are your headlines. The debt ceiling standoff continues despite congressional leaders holding talks with the president at the White House as Biden makes a promise to
1: international creditors. The United States is not going to default. never has, and it never will. America is not a deadbeat nation. We pay our bill.
0: Senate and House leaders pledged to meet again on Friday as Speaker Kevin McCarthy accuses the Biden administration of waiting too long
2: to sit down with the GOP. Everybody in this meeting reiterated the positions they were at. I didn't see any new movement. The president said the staff should get back together, but I was very clear with the president. We have now just two weeks to go. Uh, we haven't said we're done. That is the New York Fed President John Williams doesn't rule out, though, further rate hikes as he lauds the FOMC's fight against inflation. Uh, this ahead of absolutely pivotal key CPI data due later today.
1: I do think that we've made incredible progress over the past year or so, bringing interest rates from you know close to zero to a little over 5%. I think that brings real interest rates or inflation-adjusted rates to a to a, uh, a stance that should help bring inflation down.
3: And Ryanair reveals its biggest ever aircraft order, inking a $40 billion deal to buy up to 300 Boeing planes. Airlines boss Michael O'Leary tells CNBC the firms have settled their differences.
2: I frequently shoot my mouth off, not always necessarily accurately, I think the good news today is, you know, I, I use it it's a bit like a marriage. We have occasional fights, we squabble occasionally, but you know, we kiss and make up and then I pay up and buy <laughs> some more really brilliantly manufactured aircraft that are going to save me a fortune. Good morning, Jeffrey. Good morning, Karen I've got to say, I know we've got to move on because we've got a great yeah. CEO waiting in the weeks, but, but is there anyone better at a quip than Michael O'Leary? Um, we've settled our differences, yeah. uh, and then I pay up at the end of it kind of thing. Or, uh, And what was the other one? I, sometimes, I shoot my mouth off, and then sometimes... Uh, sometimes it's the truth or sometimes it's accurate
0: you, uh, you, I mean there they're, by the grace of God go the rest of us I, think right? I was thinking the same um, and, I was thinking and particularly the, same. the I mean it does feel a bit like that these days that whatever you do you pay up in the end
2: well yeah
0: right?
3: It's a big gorder, though, isn't it? I mean, you think about the amount of jobs that are going to be brought on board as a result. So uh, it's, uh, it's a fairly decent decision. It's an
2: enormous deal from, a, from an airline that's actually got a fairly young and efficient fleet anyway. So it would be interesting to uh, dig into the weeds. with Mr. O'Leary about that. But anyway, we've got loads of other stuff to get through first. So let me just go through the headlines. Uh, US President Joe Biden and Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy failed to reach any consensus on raising the 314 trillion dollar u.s debt ceiling congressional leaders met at the white house on tuesday to discuss the borrowing limit which republicans say they won't approve without spending cuts the u.s risks defaulting on its debt as soon as june 1st without any breakthrough talks are set to continue today oh daily i should say Uh, mr biden though called the meeting productive but doubled down on his demands
1: we need to take the threat of default off the table as, this meeting end, as the meeting ended, <coughs> excuse me, I suggested we continue to meet and the leaders, uh, our staffs continue to meet and the leaders meet again on Friday to continue our discussions to see what progress we made. So, let me end where I began. This nation is never to fall on its debt. It never will.
2: Well, for his part, McCarthy said the meeting itself was progress, but that it might still be too late. Nothing has
4: changed since then. The only thing that has changed is the House has raised the debt ceiling and passed the bill. That's why we had a meeting today.
2: Everybody in this meeting reiterated the positions they were at. I didn't see any new movement. The president said the staff should get back together. But I was very clear with the president. We have now just two weeks to go.
3: New York Fed Reserve President John Williams has warned the Fed could need to hike rates further if inflation doesn't come down. Williams told the Economic Club of New York that it could take two years for inflation to return to the central bank's 2% goal. He added that tightening credit conditions and rising unemployment would be key factors to watch. Williams sat down with CNBC's Sarah Eisen after his speech and said more action could be required.
1: We haven't said we're done raising rates. We we made a decision in our May meeting to raise the federal funds target range, as I said. Um, and we didn't make a decision of what we're going to do in our future meetings. Uh, but it's definitely, um, or, or what's, you know, how the economy is going to evolve will obviously affect our decisions. I do think that we've made incredible progress over the past year or so, bringing interest rates from, you know, close to zero to a little over 5%. I think that brings real interest rates or inflation adjusted rates to a, to a, uh, a stance that should help bring inflation down.
2: I'll do this very quickly. We've got a CEO waiting in the wings. So the US markets were down uh, a little bit across the board. that giving back some of those gains that it made on Friday as well. Safe to say if you're not watching the CPI today, then you're probably not in the market because it is the pivotal piece of data. 5% handle? Maybe. Is it going to be higher than expected? Well, then that is obviously going to put pressure right back on the Federal Reserve to carry on with these rate hikes. Let's have a look at where the treasuries are trading. I can tell you that the two years at 4%, and a bit more change as well. So it's picking up again the yield as they see a little bit of sell down uh, on some of the treasury curve as well. 3.515 is where the 10-year is trading. The data's been fairly robust. We were talking about the sluice data, weren't we? And I've got to say that the senior lending uh, Officers' Opinion Survey, which is that acronym, SUSE, as well, uh, I think it showed actually a far more robust liquidity and lending situation than many people had expected in the States as well. Let's have a look at the dollar crosses as well. Uh, the pound, oh, I love the headline today. you like this one. Uh, analysts and economists get bullish on the pound after it hits a one-year high. I'm like, wouldn't it been more useful if you got bullish on it before it hit a one-year high? Just saying, it's up 26% from its lows. But anyway, I'm not here to uh, to go on too much about that. I'll do that later. Um, 110 on the euro dollar as well. Mr. Cutmore. we have corporates. Yeah, I'll have some all day at 114. Thank you very
0: much. <laughs> um, let's hope that you got that number as well. Let's talk about Siemens Health and Ears uh, second quarter results here. I'll just give you a quick run through and then we'll get immediately to burned. Second quarter revenue in at 5.35 billion euros against the 5.46 billion a year ago. Net income dropping 81 percent to 108 million euros adjusted basic earnings per share fell by thirty six percent to forty three euro cents uh, free cash flow up at five hundred and seventeen million euros the uh, second quarter adjusted EBIT fell thirty percent to uh, six hundred and eighty one million euros, uh, resulting in a lower adjusted EBIT margin of 12.7%. There is a story in here that continues to be about the washout of the diagnostic tests for COVID. So let's get straight to Bernd, who joins us uh, from Siemens Healthineers. He is the CEO of the business. Great to have you back with us, Bernd. Just, Just on that question, obviously, as we look at these quarterly numbers at the moment, we are having to take into account the washout of the sales uh, decline from these COVID tests. Just tell us a little bit about when you expect that will be a, 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 no longer an issue in terms of uh, the reported items. And, uh, and also tell us a bit more about the strength of the underlying business.
4: Yeah, thank you very much. Um, and thank you for having me. Um, this quarter has been certainly the most extreme quarter when it comes to um, comparing with the previous year because of the um, antigen volume which was in the quarter before about 600 um, million euros. Um, we will see a little bit of that effect also in the in the next two quarters, but I think um, but the let's say the biggest impact is is behind us. But I want to pick up what you just said. I mean, I'm, I'm super happy about where the underlying business is going. We saw taking the COVID tests out of the equation, um, 11% growth, yeah, which is a super remarkable um, number and a great job um, of the team. Um, we confirm um, our fiscal year outlook. And on top of that, um, great revenue growth, um, which was especially driven by about 20% equipment growth um we um, still were able to have more orders than revenue yeah so a book to build of above one which means that our order backlog is even stronger than before that very strong quarter
0: I remember when we saw you for the first quarter, there seemed to be good momentum developing in the imaging and the advanced therapies businesses. Um, Specifically, can you just give us a bit more flesh on the bone as to how you see the outlook for those particular units going forward?
4: So um, I'm very, very positive for both businesses. Um, I mean, we see um, on the top line, um, we will see... um, to, um, you know, similar growth, yeah, for 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 the remainder of the year, which is also why um, we are confirming the outlook. Um, but on the other hand, we see we will see on the bottom line um, the improved pricing kicking in. Yeah, we had a little bit, uh, as you may know, a topic of slightly um, depressed margins over a time because we have uh, typically a book to bill cycle of six to twelve months, which means that improved pricing doesn't have an impact immediately we see now the um, the orders with better pricing turning into into revenue in the quarters to come so it uh, we will see not only um, very positive top line growth but also um, margin expansion
3: Ben, I want to get into Varian. This was a business you bought to be a growth driver for the business. You had supply chain issues. There's an intelligent cancer system, cancer care system. But now if we look at the numbers, we can see a very strong liftoff, 27% bounce, revenue of close to a billion euros. What's the level of growth that seems normal? Because this could just be a bounce back after some of those initial issues, right?
4: Yeah. So I mean first of all I, I really am am super proud of the variant team um, and how they made up for the supply chain issues which were caused by by one of the suppliers and and held back the revenue line uh, a bit in 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 Q4 and um, and Q1. Um I mean 27% growth um, is very very remarkable. I mean when you look into this and double click on it it means even um, more than 40% equipment growth, meaning deliveries of, of um, mainly um, linear accelerators for radiation therapy. Um, the normalized growth um, is, uh, which we target with very, um, since the acquisition, yeah, because of that very convincing case, the revenue synergies, the, the power of the combination is uh, 9 to 12% for the years to come.
3: Ben, reading through the report and I've got to the Outlook statement, I'm seeing still more an antigen test, nothing on AI. AI seems to be sweeping every industry and sector at this point. How bullish are you on the developments? What role does AI have in your business?
4: I mean, AI is super important for us as an integrated part of our business. Yeah. So there is not an AI business. We, we are an AI business, if you wish. I mean, in every of our systems, especially on the imaging side, yeah, um, AI is an integral part of recognizing what type of patient do I have, how do, how do you automatically do the so-called exam protocols, then comes the um, pre-read of the scans. Um, one of the powerful combination uh, aspects of the combination of Varian and Siemens Healthineers is that AI can help translate the imaging information into the best um, treatment plan um, for a cancer patient yeah so ai is an integral part and i believe one of the key aspects yeah of making healthcare better uh, but also um, more efficient um, and um, and when it comes to overcoming um, the staff shortage issues uh, which um, healthcare has um, worldwide
2: Uh, Ben, very good day to you. Um, Taylor, to regions, just looking down a little bit. I mean, China on all the major divisions, whether it's advanced therapies, variant or diagnostics, still looks pretty strong. Europe, much more patchy, though, sir. Do you want to just tell us, uh, A, about the strength of China and, B, what you're seeing in Europe?
4: So, um, I mean, from an order's point of view, um, both regions have been very strong. I mean, we saw in in um, uh, in, in China a clear re- recovery from um, from the COVID situation. Plus, there is some very um, targeted government program um, to further encourage investment into the healthcare sector, um, and and that has helped on the order side, um, but also on the revenue um, line. We could we could fulfill some of the kind of also pent up demand which we saw in the quarters before yeah because of the uh, first uh, lockdown situations and then also the um, uh, pretty significant infection wave uh, we saw in the um, in, in in our Q1 yeah which is the calendar year Q4 um, of 22 yeah um, Europe very healthy yeah I'm very happy what I see on the um, on the order side um, because I think here, I mean, nations have understood, yeah, that a um, a competitive, yeah, or a stable and state-of-the-art healthcare system is not a cost factor. It is um, a defining aspect um, of the welfare of a nation.
0: Bern, thanks for your time this morning. Good catching up with you. Best of luck for the coming quarter, and we'll see you again soon. I know Bern Montag, the CEO of Siemens Healthineers. Uh, Still to come on the show, there's a new name at the top of the annual CNBC Disruptor 50 list and a key theme running throughout the big reveal when we come back. Welcome back, everybody. Ferrari's market value has roared past uh, 50 billion euros, overtaking Stellantis to become one of the three largest companies on the Milan Stock Exchange. Ferrari shares have climbed 34% this year to become the best-performing European auto stock, as demand for luxury cars holds up, apparently, despite price increases. Stellantis, which has a market value of 47 billion euros, owns Fiat. Which used to own the Italian luxury brand.
2: But I told you this, didn't I? I was having lunch with a, a dear friend who um, happens to have owned one or two oh. rather lovely cars in time. And he says, I, "Even I can't justify at the moment." I was like, "Yes, of course you can." And he was saying, uh, "Every time I, I used to buy, it. He said, I had a few cars in my time." And, and to buy a supercar, you spend a hundred thousand pounds roughly. It used to be about a hundred thousand pounds, one hundred twenty-five, one hundred fifty thousand dollars. He goes, "Now your basic supercar is two fifty to three hundred, and it's literally just." Two fifty three hundred—that is what you pay for when you want your, your top of the range supercars out there. I'm not talking your, your fairly nice sports cars. I'm talking you. And, and he's like, I can't justify that. I said, well, I'm sure you can. But he, he, but it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's a bit like your um, Birkin bag phenomenon that you talk about, or, or, or your, your LVMH scenario. And not that you've got many Birkin bags. I hasten to add, other other handbags at ridiculous prices are available. Uh, but, but but the higher the price, the greater the exclusivity. <laughs> the greater the demand. I mean, it's yeah. an extraordinary model, isn't it? If
3: you wanted to compare and contrast the two, there's actually a sustainable element around both. I mean, you're hardly going to toss out a Birkin because it costs so much. So, uh, and you're not going to buy that many of them. Sustainable, so it's actually sustainable element. And this was the story around wow. um, Ferrari it's yesterday. It's just so green, isn't it, well,
2: buying a Ferrari or a Birkin well, bag? No, I, Ferrari, I couldn't agree more. But
3: Ferrari has been arguing that there's the e-fuels angle, that it uh, isn't right. a combustion engine right. because it's got this the new MPG technology. A Ferrari? Well, exactly, but that was its argument. I think that's why the stock was on the move yesterday because of the, the alternative fuels it's argument. So the sustainability element, I think, can be driving some kind of these of stocks like that too. that
2: investment where the very, very familiar investment pattern. You just pick the best in class. Don't worry about the rest. Don't worry about the sector. Just pick the best in class. Um, I'll just go back to the
0: um, store of value. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know about the green aspect. I'll, I'll leave that to you, Karen. But, but for me, I think she was
2: a stretch. There. For me,
0: these luxury products always seem to do better when there's a touch of inflation around because people are concerned about the debasement of yeah. their currency. So it's good to own a, a, a bit of something that is going to hold its value and possibly appreciate. Which is
2: why I'm holding on to my old station wagon. Well, there's
3: right. some big fat margins <laughs> in the price of all these items. I can tell you so. I don't <laughs> About the I inflation
2: think the old uh, Volvo's do well, don't they? No. I, I couldn't possibly comment on what brand of station wagon yeah. it is, Jeffrey. Mm. Uh, yes, Volvo. Uh, Toyota fourth quarter, <laughs> but it's very old, so it doesn't really count. Uh, Toyota fourth quarter operating profit rose 35% to uh, 627 billion yen, well ahead of expectations. The Japanese automaker benefited from the yen's weakness alongside its own efforts to improve profit structure. Toyota forecasts global sales of 11.4 million vehicles for the full year 20. Elsewhere, shares in Rivian Automotive jumped in after-hours trade after the EV maker reported a narrower first quarter loss than expected. Rivian beat quarterly revenue expectations, coming in at $661 million, uh, on the back of increased sales of higher-priced vehicles. Now, the Amazon-backed automaker also reaffirmed its guidance for the year, saying it is on track to meet its 50,000 EV production target.
3: The 11th annual CNBC Disruptor 50 list is here, featuring at least 35 unicorns and a dozen firms valued at over $10 billion. In the number one spot, and right in the middle, is ChatGPT developer OpenAI. Filling out the top five is fintech startup Brex, the Australian graphic design firm Canva, AI company Relativity Space, which launched its first 3D printed rocket this year, and Israeli cloud security firm Wiz. The growth in the power of AI has been so dramatic that among the 50 companies on this year's list, 21 told us that AI is already critically important to more than half of their revenue and just a couple of points I think there's been a clear stampede into stocks that are going to benefit from AI and uh, the Wall Street Journal did some number crunching on this Microsoft thanks to its 10 billion dollar investment in open AI has added about 500 billion in market value since it made that announcement you've seen an Nvidia stock up 96% so far this year a couple of other points there because I think there's a flip side there is a real moment in time here as to whether we're going to see large-scale disruption of some industries and the bad in this trade this early stage seems to be edtech and i'll just um, shout out chegg you've seen the valuation hit on this particular company uh, this as it uh, basically said some of its tools are not being utilized as much because of uh, generative ai people looking for options on the internet using this technology instead of going to this edtech platform and the other one fighting out uh, fighting out yesterday was pearson effectively taking legal action that uh, some of its uh, it property has been used to train ai models also pushing forward its own AI products as well, trying to get back into the mix. So I think there are clear winners and losers at this point. There'll be so more. just
2: a couple of very brief points. One, thank God for the latest um, whiz, so to speak. Chat GPT, thank goodness for AI, because it means that a whole load of moderate companies with moderate revenue aspirations and zero chance of making profit have got a chance to get themselves to unicorn or decacorn status as well. So thank goodness for the latest whiz, because we all know there always has to be one in tech world, because even if OpenAI... Uh, does turn out to be fantastic. We all know there's going to be a lot of stummers along the way that are never going to make money <laughs> and that are never, ever uh, going to reach any uh, bulk in terms of profitable revenue as well. The other thing is it's about the attitude to the rest of the sector. So you've got this lovely chat GBT, uh, open AI, AI more generally whiz going on at the moment because as I say, with the technology sector always have to have one so it can inflate the valuations ridiculously on a lot of companies, as I say, which will never make money. But at the other end of the extreme, the forensic attitude of investors of venture capitalists, of private equity and and of public sector markets as well continues and they're just not falling for the same puff that they have done on a lot of these companies so a lot of the valuations for companies that again will never make profitability but they don't have ai in there i mean it's just like when you used to have dot com if it's dot com i'll buy and i'll put a silly valuation on it if it's dot cloud i'll put a silly valuation on it now if it's dot ai that is the latest whiz as well a lot of companies are never going to get anywhere near profitability and i think in the repricing of money era that we're in at the moment there's a lot more forensic focus on a lot of those companies apart from dare i say in the ai sector you've
0: you both made terrific points and, and just to pick up on, on yours, Karen, I'm not sure how clear it is at the moment who are going to be the big winners because we're, we're so early in the foothills of this technology that obviously there are going to be companies that add tech AI and just improve their overall offering. How many pure play companies are there going to be? Chat, GPT, we obviously know is very early and is is attracting a lot of the comment. But to to be a little bit more forensic in the early stages, the, the one thing we do know very clearly is that AI consumes a huge amount of server energy and power and we we used to talk about um, cryptocurrencies and the dirty secret around cryptocurrencies is that they consume a lot of power and they use a lot of server space. AI consumes even more because of the processing required to do the work that these AI engines do. So just early doors, have a look at the, the companies that build the servers have a look at the companies that supply the generators that supply the power to make those servers do their work while you're figuring out which of the companies is going to actually have the fattest margin and profit from this once we get into the real-world use of AI before you get to that stage maybe just have a think about how much uh, technology uh, spend there is going to be on the hardware just to actually be able to get AI up to size and scale to make it really useful.
3: Absolutely the right point if you think about companies that are not necessarily tech companies but that are going to use the AI and you wonder whether it's going to change the expenses line, bring down uh, the cost on the staffing side and a whole heap of other different elements, whether that genuinely has an impact on expenses, offset them by the energy story. And of course, if we're in an energy crisis or not, that could be quite key at this stage. But I do think it puts Nvidia right on mixed and potential other semiconductors to get that processing uh, more efficient to try and come up with the right sort of semiconductors so you see a genuine change but to steve's point too i think around what you're seen in this sector i mean what the last uh, year or two it was metaverse and nfts before that was virtual reality or augmented reality uh, big data 5g ai has been around but it was only late last year when we saw the capabilities of generative ai that it put the whole ai sector back in focus it's been there for years. Years, but and I love got to add it into every and press release. I
2: genuinely love a lot of these technologies. I mean, Fanny, we've had the debate around here about the worth uh, socially and educationally and societally for the metaverse. And Fanny, I was on the side of, I think it could be brilliant. You, you actually think it could be very dysfunctional, you two. I think, I think. well, they're definitely, Jeff and Karen, I think you were somewhere, somewhere, yeah. So so I, I hear what you saying. but I love a lot of these technologies. It goes back to that old conversation we had back in days of yore about Fitbit and GoPro. Uh, and again, and, and like uh, uh, and Beyond Meat and Oatly, VHS, and, uh, Peter man. V- yeah, I no, don't think we talked about the shares on. VHS oh yeah, I,
0: I remember talking about that. Well, you know, <laughs> I was about
2: fifteen. Um, but, the, but the point being is, these are great technologies and great innovations and brilliant companies. But show me—it's the, it's the Cup of Goodie Junior, isn't it? Show me the money.
0: Yeah, but let me say, I think. You know, you can do well in the short run just by... Because the, the the money buffety, is going to be buffety, sprayed buffety, buffety, around buffety, 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 buff like it's going out of fashion. Buff, 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 buff. I mean, just, um, you know, and don't forget the Chinese. They're, they're very aggressive in trying to get into this market as well. Because um, it's great technology. Mei, Mei Chuan is just about to dump, you know, 50 million on, on some company to help them with a project. I mean, 50 million in the scheme of things is tiny compared to the totally. size of numbers we're talking about. But that will be one company's uh, 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 sale, which will generate very nice profit, I would imagine, for them. And and so money's going to be sprayed around. Just make sure you're the one taking advantage of the short-term opportunity.
2: I'm just going back to the other things. Well, you need Mm. to get over the fact that you're the only man who has the Blues Brothers on Betamax and the family won't watch it. Come on, it's probably worth something that VHS. You know, where I could get the machine service. <laughs> well, I know a little secret about you, which I'm now going to reveal to the viewers that you no, actually not you dabble long. in a bit of home electronic repair. Well, I like to keep
0: my hand in. <laughs> just <this> in case.
3: <laughs> I don't know about both of you, but I've still got those VHS tapes I'm from still back here, the day working in television. <laughs>
0: <laughs> still here, I've got all my fingers. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you
2: can head to cnbc.com.